Hello, welcome to the Read Play Talk podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Paris. And I'm your other host, Jack Love. This podcast is a resource for all things Read Play Talk. We hope that our listeners will be encouraged to read, play, and talk with their children every day. On this episode, we are talking with Mesquite ISD's coordinator for elementary language arts and reading, Andrea Bailey, about how we are building better readers and students within our schools. Yeah, so why don't we get started? Andrea, welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I know. This is exciting, right? Sit in a room and talk about Replay Talk. Yes. Again, welcome. We're glad to have you. Before we get too deep into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got started in education and what led you to where your role is today? So I started in deaf education. I started teaching kids who couldn't hear and I use sign language. I did that for about six years. When I was in college, learning about all the things that we learn about to teach kids, I found it so fascinating how we learn language and how important it is for kids to have really good interactions at young ages with adults. That's how we learn language. That's how we learn how to talk, how we learn the rules of when to talk and when not to talk and and how we learn vocabulary. And I just really found that so interesting. So in the middle of my career, I switched and went into the general ed classroom and began teaching kindergartners. And I adored kindergartners. They were fantastic. They're my favorite people on the planet still. They're really funny. But as I went through my career, I just learned more and more about reading. And it fascinates me how we learn how to read. And I am super excited to be the leader of the elementary language arts program every day. It's a really cool job for me. That's so interesting. I feel like I've known you for a couple of years, but I had no idea you started in deaf education. It's really cool. I was thinking the exact same thing. Every time we do these, we learn something about it. And apparently, Andrea knows how to do that, sign language. That's why we I keep do doing do know sign language. <laughs> that's awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, Andrea, now, like, Read Play Talk is kind of a household name, at least within Mesquite ISD, but there was a time when it wasn't, you know, it hadn't even come into existence yet. So, in 2015, Dr. Vrunlin approached the board and did, like, a state of the union of our pre-K through second grade students where we were struggling, and then if they stayed on that path, the trajectory of their future. So, how was the district's response to that when he was presenting all of this information and all of the statistics about where our district was in 2015? Well, one of the best things I think that Dr. V did when he started was he wanted to include everybody in the solution. And that's part of what Dr. V is about, is the ownership culture. That's very big with him. He always talks about it. And the ownership culture basically means that Everybody has a voice in the solution. Everybody gets to be part of it. And when you're a part of the solution, then you take more pride in what you're doing. You feel like your voice matters. And so that's what he did when he presented all of this information. He said, hey, what do you guys think? What do you teachers think is the biggest challenge to keeping kids from reading on grade level? And I think that gesture of asking teachers their opinion really helped just kind of bring everybody in and say, okay, we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of what's happening in Mesquite. We want to be a part of the solution. And I think that was one of the best things that happened early on to really push us towards where we are now. We have talked about that like in several episodes about how Dr. V is so good at that, how he's an incredible communicator. But when he's done, he makes you want to be involved, even if you don't know how. 
And Dr. V is so generous to like allow so many members to be a part of an idea like this. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that several times. Right. And that's, to me, in my mind, a, a good sign of a good leader, right? Definitely. Somebody who convinces you that you want to do it, even though you don't know that you want to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool to, to hear <laughs> that that happened at the school level, too. So when we talk about Read, Play, Talk and the beginnings of it, now, if memory serves right, they put together a team called the Design Team in 2015? Yes. So, and that was what? To get everybody to help attack the issue, right? Yes. So after Dr. V talked with every campus, he sent on a team of people to gather information from teachers about the challenges that they thought were keeping kids from reading on grade level. We categorized that. We did some research and came up with the tenets of what would be the best reading program. And so the design team then started from scratch using the research, and they are the ones who put together our framework that's now called the learning framework, and that's what teachers use every day as they're teaching. They work from this framework. So they have the power to meet the needs of their students, but they know no matter what, every day they're going to do these things. And these things are research-based. It's things like guided reading and direct instruction in comprehension, writing instruction, those things that are a part of the best language arts program, what helps kids read really well and learn how to read really well. So that's the framework. That's the learning framework. The design team talked about what is the teacher doing, but also what is the learner doing. And I think that was the really powerful piece of that. We hadn't talked about what does the learner do before. We were really focused on what is the teacher doing. And I kind of like all the names, right? Like the design team and the the learning frame. It's like you're actually building something, right? Yes. You're building a reader at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. right? And and hopefully a really good one who's on grade level by third grade, right? Yes. Two things I wanted to touch on. I want you to talk more about the roles of the people who are on the design team because you didn't just choose like the top level of the district. You kind of did all around. So what positions made up your design team? That's right. The design team included everybody, a representative from every level of our district. We had people from central office. We had people from the language arts department. We had principals. We had teachers. We made sure that everybody got to be a part, instructional coaches, they all got to be a part of the design team. And so the way we kind of picked those people is when we presented the research, there were just some people that really stood out and were leaders in our district. And we asked those people to be part of what the design team was doing. It was really neat. I got to be on the design team and it was one of the neatest experiences. We worked for I don't know, like two or three months designing our framework in the spring of the year before it was implemented in the fall in the classrooms. I just love the idea that there was so much representation from all levels within the district. It wasn't just coming from central office, like this is what we're doing, Mm -hmm. this is how you have to do it, but it was so, so much based on research and you are getting so many different perspectives and input. And I think that's why it's working so well within our schools Absolutely. and in our classrooms. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. Getting a voice from everybody is, is super important. Sure. Particularly in a task like this that seems so monumental. One guy may think he knows it, but he probably doesn't. It takes takes a village. Let's talk about coaching among teachers, right? That's also really taken off during the time since Replay Talk has begun. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that looks like in the schools? Yes. Yeah, so 
everybody has probably experienced coaching in, in some aspect of their lives. Maybe you were on a, a little league team. Maybe you were on a volleyball team or a football team growing up. It's very similar to what happened in that coaching situation. So there's somebody who is basically your cheerleader and has expertise, and they are coaching you to be better. They're asking you to be better. And the way we do that is the teacher thinks about their instructional practices currently. They think about, you know, what do I want to be better at? And sometimes the coach has to help them see this is an area that you might want to grow or improve in, just like any coach does. And what happens is then the the coach walks alongside them as the teacher sets goals. They support them. They give them resources to meet those goals. And then they meet back again with them after they've they've accomplished that goal. The teacher brings evidence to the meeting and says, hey, this is how I accomplished my goal. And a coaching relationship is formed. Every one of our campuses has an instructional coach, which is awesome. All of our elementary campuses have an instructional coach, and that person builds relationships with the teachers that they work with every day. They build relationships with the students they have in their classrooms, and they help them set really valuable, smart goals that are measurable, that they can come back and show evidence that they've accomplished them. And then they get back in there and they set another goal. It's a really awesome process. And the feedback from those teachers has been positive? Yes. Well, at first, you know, many teachers were like, oh, goodness, what am I doing wrong? Because, you know, when you start, you're like, oh, what am I doing wrong? Is this because I did something that wasn't right for kids? And we've built the culture now or to the place now where we can say, no, we're just all working to be better. That is our goal in Mesquite. Everybody can always improve. And so we're always thinking about how can we do it better? How can we do it differently? And gathering evidence and looking at that evidence to say, nope, this worked or this didn't work, or I might need to tweak it just a little bit. It's a really cool environment to be a part of, to see so many people really trying to improve. And what is happening is our kids are benefiting from it. And that's a huge thing, right? I mean, there's a complete difference between saying you're doing this wrong or you can do this better. Mm -hmm. You're likely doing it right, but you could probably tweak it a little bit better and just be doing it that much better. So, And we're so fortunate to have that within the district. I know a lot of the instructional coaches on the campuses and they do, they attack it with such a positive mindset, Mm -hmm. not like these are your flaws. I want to point them out, but I want us to be better. I want us to be a district that's known for excellence and teaching Mm -hmm. our children the best way that we can. So I think that's the way we're doing it right. I'm very blessed to be a part of it. Last thing I want to touch on is kind of where your world and my world collides a little bit. So I haven't been in the district as long as you have, but from my understanding, this kind of all started when Read Play Talk was introduced out into the community, where schools were encouraged to host literacy nights on their campuses. And that's where A lot of schools will host like one in the fall, one in the spring, and they open up their campus for families to come in and they'll have literacy stations and it's activities where families can go through. The idea is that they leave with lots of ideas on how to read, play, and talk together at home. So since those literacy nights have really become a normal routine in our schedule, what kind of an impact do you think those nights are having on families in our district? 
Yes, they were a part of the beginnings of the literacy framework and the design team. Basically, we wanted campuses to be a part of it and not just at the instructional level, the classroom level. We wanted the classroom to reach out to the community. We knew that the school had a community and those communities, school leadership could really touch the families that lived in their neighborhoods and build this community around what was happening at the school. So what we asked them to do is to set a goal for yourselves, a way for you to reach out to the community and make it positive for families to come in. Because sometimes families don't have the best feeling about school. Maybe they had a, a negative school experience. Maybe there's lots of reasons for not wanting to come into the school. We wanted to make sure that when campuses had a night that it was fun, that there was a play aspect. Campuses had done nights like this in the past, but there wasn't a play part of it. And so because there was no play involved, it was more like we were preaching at them. And that's not what we wanted these to be about. And so moving forward in the Read, Play, Talk initiative, we really wanted families to feel like it was a fun thing, a valuable use of their family time to come in and be together as a family. So campuses started designing with play in mind, and I think that was the game changer. We've seen game nights where families came in and played games In every classroom, there was a different game happening, and they loved it. I've been a part of several of these literacy nights to see all of the fun that's happening. They have sometimes seasonal ones where it's about a holiday that's happening. It's a lot of fun for families to come in, and they take away some things that they can use at their homes. Games, a lot of times they give away games. They'll give away books and science Sometimes there'll be a combined content area. So science will come. The Perot Museum will come out. Everything's themed around science, but there's still reading and playing and talking involved in that. So I think when we moved from literacy nights that were more about teaching to more about playing, that's when we captured the hearts of our families. Yes, because it turned more into like a modeling aspect of it where parents could see what the teachers were doing and then go and replicate that at home. I love it. We've been to several literacy nights just with Read, Play, Talk, and we do. We give out books, and we also, within this school year, we develop these conversation starter cubes, and those are really fun to give out because it's something practical that families can take home and actually practice reading, playing, and talking together. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I do have one last question. So, Andrea, you have two kids. I do. They're not babies anymore. They're not little in the ages that we're talking to, but they were at one point. So when your kids were little, what was your favorite way to either read, play, or talk with them? Oh, um, well, we always talked at the dinner table, and my kids, they were so funny. We would have conversations at the dinner table and talk about silly things, and so now— My family, whenever my big kids come home to visit, they're all about, let's have dinner at the table, let's talk at the table, and it always turns into silly stuff. (laughs) Just really good laughing conversations at the table. You know, I'm going to say lastly, lastly, lastly. Yes, okay. (laughs) uh, Before we wrap up with Andrea. Um, So you talked about the dinner table, but 
let's face it, the, the family dynamic is kind of changing, right? People don't eat at the dinner table nearly as much. And I'm just as guilty of it because we have, I have a son who plays hockey and we're at the hockey rink like three, four, five, six, seven nights a week, whatever it is. So the, the dinner table becomes very difficult. Is there, is there a piece of advice that you could give to a family that maybe can't work the dinner table into their routine that, that, that would be a good idea for them to help read, play, talk with their kid? Absolutely. So um, one of the things that one of the other places that I liked uh, to to do fun things, I know it seems weird, but in the in the car. So I had a minivan and um, we would read the road signs as we were driving down the road or um, I would have them write. They had these magna doodle boards and I would have them write words or letters on the magna doodle. And I would say, OK, show me. And they would put it and I would look in the rearview mirror and see what what letter they they wrote not always, but um, it was about like I want to go yay, and then they would write something else. So um, we turned the radio off, and we would read what was on the highway, and we'd read signs, and we would just talk and have fun in the car. And that's I think awesome. um, that's a way that families can connect. That's a phenomenal idea. I never even thought about that. I mean, you could listen to podcasts in the car. <laughs> well, I it, like well, this yeah. one, maybe. Yeah, you could. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> But the Magna Doodle thing is, is kind of cool, just like maybe copy words that you saw and then you're reading and you're, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we're wrapping up here with um, Andrea Bailey, who is Mesquite ISD's coordinator for elementary language arts and reading. Wow, that's like SHIELD. Right? She has like, a long title. Yeah. I wish I had a cool, um, like an acronym, acronym like Shield did, but I don't. That's right. I'm going to try to work on one for you. So, anyway, we want to thank her for coming out today and and talking to us. You know, this replay talk stuff is a community involvement, but it really starts in the schools. So it's really cool to see how things are are kind of working, how they got started in the schools, and how they're kind of flowing out of the schools um, to us as we try to work out through the community. So. Andrea, thank you for being a part of us. Thank you for our, having our, me. Our podcast today, we're, we're happy to have you, as always. Um, and I'm going to turn it over to Lindsay here to do her wonderful closing. Okay. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We encourage you to follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Read Play Talk and on Twitter at Read Play Talk TX.